Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. And I want to invite the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of success. Amen. Father, I pray that Spirit of God, that you would come and minister. What you want to speak, let that be spoken in this pulpit. Lord, let those words go deep into our heart. Change our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. The Lord wants his people to be a people of success. The Lord wants his church to be a church of success. All of us want success. None of us want failure. I'm yet to meet someone who says that I'm here to fail. Lack of success can drive somebody to end their lives. Or to lead, or lack of success can lead somebody to lead a life that is below par or below the standard what God wants us to lead. Many struggle with the definition of success. And because success is not properly defined, we have wrong yardsticks for success. Many struggle to understand the concept of success. This is something that I read. What is a picture of somebody who is a successful person? Success looks like something like this. The wealth of Bill Gates. The physique of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Or if you are a lady, a film actress or a model. The intelligence of Albert Einstein. The athletic ability of Michael Jordan. The business acumen of Mukesh Ambani, the power of the president of the USA, the imagination, the creativity of Walt Disney, the charity of Mother Teresa. And if you are in the ministry, a ministry like Billy Graham or Benny Hinn. So our yardstick of success is based on other people. So what are some of our yardsticks? So what, are, what are the world view of success? So what are the world's yardstick of success? Then the first one, is wealth. Well, first of all, all of these yardsticks have an appearance of success. They have an appearance. They look good. So wealth is in terms of money, property, assets. Some of us work for this. We buy another house and because that's our yardstick, we want to buy the next house. We, we buy a car and then, then we see somebody else buy a new car and we want to buy that car. Well, uh, is, so is your success based on wealth? Well, if your success is based on wealth, it's a very poor yardstick. Because one of the world's, or, or in fact the world's richest man who ever lived was Solomon. He said in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10, He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This is also vanity. Well, if it was a woman, he would have said he who loves gold. Everyone can have a love for money. Rich, poor, or the middle class. It doesn't matter what strata of society we belong to. If you think money is your success, I have bad news for you. Because Solomon, the richest man, said, he says, the love for money will never satisfy you. Our love for more wealth will never satisfy us. So how to know if I have a love for money? Are you constantly thinking? Are you constantly thinking, Oh, I have little money. See, money as such is not a bad thing. Okay? But are you constantly thinking, 
Oh, I have little money. I need more. I need a more thing. I need to. Uh, I, I, I need to buy more property. So is this is your life connected with justice? Where would my next money come from? Are you constantly thinking I, I, I need to make more money? So many so many of us have a wrong concept that having a large amount of money in the bank is good success. Huh? Or oh, that is prosperity. So that is one yardstick that the world has, which is money. The other yardstick, another yardstick for the world view of success is power. Power often also gives an appearance of success, but is very temporary. In Acts chapter 12, we see a sorry life of a man who had great power, that is Herod. He was angry. Now, uh, Acts chapter 12, verse 20 to 23. Herod has, had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They came to him with one accord. And having made blasters, the king's personal aid, their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. It was such an oration that the people kept shouting, The voice of God and not of a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down, because he did not give glory to God, and he was eaten by worms and died. Power is never a sign of success. King Saul had a lust for power. Someone said like this, power tends to corrupt. And absolute power and absolute power corrupts absolutely. If you have a lust for power, it will corrupt you. You will never be satisfied. Hitler had a tremendous lust for power that in the end it never satisfied him, that he ended his life. The third yardstick that we have is achievements. Many people believe that you know, to attain, they, they want to attain a position. They want to accomplish a goal. They want to have a relationship with this right person. Then they think, then they will be successful. Now, achievements are not bad. But your achievements like your degrees, your positions, your titles, if that is your yardstick, you will want to keep adding and adding and adding and adding because it is not going to satisfy you at any point. That's the fourth one is beauty. You know, models, film stars, they paid huge amount of money because beauty sells. I heard this famous story of George Bernard Shaw. You know, he's a literary genius. So one day, a young actress visits him and tells that it would be good that we, would, we, would get, we get married. Because if we get married, the children that we would have would be a deadly combination. My beauty and your brains. So George Banasha looked at her, how it, how it would be if it's the other way? How about my beauty and your brains? And the children that come out would be an absolute disaster. So beauty, does, so beauty is a poor yardstick because it's never going to satisfy you and your beauty is going to come down as the times goes by. Another yardstick that we have is fame. Fame is a human trap. We all crave for attention. When fame becomes a yardstick for success, we go horribly wrong. You know, we might be serving God, but we can still crave for fame. Many celebrities, they desire big success based on fame. And they don't know how to handle the suddenly the, all the fame that comes through, that they end up messing their lives. 
everyone craves for attention. Even a child craves for attention. So what is that yardstick? So do you, are you living by this yardstick of being more famous, of being a social media celebrity? Another yardstick is health. People see good health as good success. Now I very much agree to this. But the only problem that is that, are you only concerned with the health of your body? Because the Bible says your spirit, soul and body. So if you are concerned only with health of your body, that's one by third of you. The other two by third is not taken care of. But God wants us to prosper in spirit, soul and body. Now all this about success, it may come in, it may not come in, but living a life after this will not satisfy us. Whether we get these things, whether we don't get these things, we could end, we could end up being discouraged and depressed. So what are the right yardsticks of success? Now if you have the right yardsticks of success, that will satisfy you. For that, we know to look at the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8 to 9. Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8 to 9. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, there is a good success. The God kind of success is a God-given success. So God gives it. Can you say God-given success? And he's telling to Joshua. In fact, it means that he's telling to a nation because Joshua is a leader. So he's telling every family. He's telling the father of the home. He's telling the mother of the home. You can be a success, which means a family can be a success. He's telling the church, which means the church can be a success. He is telling you and I we can have good success, which means there is also a bad success, that's what we saw. But God is giving, giving us, God wants to give us a good success, which is a God-given success. Now, success is not an event. Success is a journey. Because God is telling, now you're going to go into the promised land, and that is a point where He's telling. So He's just going to enter into the promised land. So success is not an event, it's a journey. Success does not mean no challenges, but success also means overcoming challenges. So, success is doing, I want to tell you, success is doing what God, is, God wants you to do in this season and in your lifetime. Okay, success is doing what God wants you to do in this season and in a lifetime. I remember the time when I came full time, of being so many years in Technopark, and I had to work on Excel sheets. And suddenly I'm thinking, Lord, I'm, I was doing the same thing there. Now I'm doing it here. And I'm doing working on Excel sheets. Because somehow the wrong yardstick of success was about a ministry based on you know, some picture. But when success is in that season, Lord, I, then I renewed my mind to say, Lord, success is for me to, if this is what you want me to do in this season, then the best thing that I can do in this season is to work on that Excel sheet. Whether I like it or not. Hallelujah. 
And sometimes in our season, we may only have, we, we can't, the only thing that we can do is look after our kids. Then that's success because that's what God has told us. But we get insecure because we see somebody else doing something. And we get insecure because, because somebody say that, somebody told you, hey, this is what you are doing, you studied so and so, but are you just doing this? So success is doing what God wants us to do in this season and also our lifetime. So what is a blueprint for a God-given success? You know, I wanted, I wanted to give you as a small capsule, but I, I found out that I can't give this as a capsule because it is around 14 points. Okay? So the first point is, success is the presence of God in our lives. Can you say the presence of God in our lives? Genesis chapter 39 talks about a wonderful man of God, Joseph. Okay? Verse 1 to 2. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him, taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. And he was a successful man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. You know, the presence of the Lord made Joseph a successful man. You know, there were other slaves in Potiphar's house. But there was something about Joseph that Joseph was a man of success and that was the presence of God. God is the one that blesses us and makes us as a success. So regardless of whether man recognizes you or not, if God recognizes you, you can be a success. Amen? So that's point one. The second one is for you to be a success, your job doesn't matter. How you do it matters. For you to be a success, your job doesn't matter. How you do it matters because Joseph was a slave. Yet he was a success. So the slaves are the most menial of all jobs. So I'm sure that the job that you are currently doing is much better than what Joseph did. Your job doesn't matter. We don't need a white collar job to be a success. Okay, How you do your job matters. Your attitude in your workplace matters. Some, some of us, we are concerned about how God, I have not been promoted for the last five years. Maybe it's time to check your attitude rather than blame your manager. How has your attitude been at your workplace? Huh? So if you work on your attitude, the Lord will promote you. I don't guarantee man promoting you. But I can guarantee the Lord promoting you because Joseph had a right attitude. That wherever he went, whether he was in his master's house, whether he was in the prison, he, the Lord, was with him. And he behaved in a matter that was worthy of the Lord. Okay, so if your attitude is good, you will be a success. So the third point is knowing God's will. Now I'm not saying that knowing God's will will lead to no problems. Okay? A man who does the will of God is a man of success. 1 John 2 verse 17 says, Whoever does the will, the world is passing away along with his desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So when we to, to do the will of God, we need to know the will of God. We cannot assume, see one of the problems that we have is we assume the will of God. We cannot assume the will of God. Huh? 
we need to know what God's word says and we can know God's word says not through preaching but through reading God's word. There is no shortcut for success. Okay? It's a high road. It's an uphill road. Amen? So, you need to read God's word. You need to meditate. You remember what we heard in the book of Joshua? Meditate. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. It shall not. You shall meditate on us day and night. So you need to know the word of God. The word of God will help you with the will of God. Amen. So, uh, so that's the third one. The one who knows the will of God is a man of success. The fourth one is to be prosperous in spirit, soul and body. 1 Timothy 4.8 says, Bodily exercise profits little. But godliness is profitable for all, all things, having the promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. God wants us to be healthy in the body. But bodily exercise profits little. It does not say it's not, does not profit at all. It profits little because we are just, that body is just one by third. We have a spirit soul body. That's why it says godliness is profitable because it is going to, you're going to prosper in your spirit, soul and body. In Third John chapter verse 1 and 2 says like this, verse 2, Beloved, I pray, Paul, John is praying a prayer that you may prosper in all things. And be in health just as your soul prospers. So God wants us to have a healed heart. Okay? There is no perfect heart, but God wants us to have a healed heart. Not just prosper in our body, but to prosper in our spirit, soul and body. Say spirit, soul and body. Prosper in our spirit, soul and body. Amen? So, godliness will give us a healthy spirit and a healthy soul. We can have the mind of Christ. You know, the mind of Christ is the right kind of thought life. The mind of Christ is the right kind of thought life. Amen? So, godliness profits, it brings profit to everything. It's profitable for all things. Okay? So, the fifth point is to learn to handle our last success. Joshua chapter 4, 4 to 7. And I'll just summarize what it is. Joshua bring, uh, uh, picks up 12 men, one man from every tribe. And he said to them, this is an instruction from the Lord, to take 12 stones. And because these 12 stones will be a memorial for them when they are living in the land, the promised land, and they are enjoying the land that overflows with milk and honey. And when you are living in your answered prayers, when you are living in your, you know, in your promotion, your latest salary hike, God wants you to remember the path that you took, the path that God took you. It says in verse 7, that you shall answer, you sh these are meant for your children, that you shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of God forever. I want to pray hallelujah that we need to constantly keep looking back. God, this is the way that you took us. Last uh, Sunday we had our, uh, uh, our anniversary celebration. 14 years. The Lord took us. Amen. And in your lives, 
the path that God took you, we cannot forget. Despite of our last success that you had, the last business uh, acquisition that you did, do not forget. Do not forget. Do not think that you did it. The Lord did it. Amen. The promised land that we live. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord wants to bless us. But the Lord also don't want us to forget that He bought us so far. Hallelujah. And the next sign, the sixth sign of a successful man is a man who knows God. John 17 verse 3, it says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing God. Amen. Uh, A successful man will know God intimately. He starts his eternal walk on earth. He is not waiting to go to heaven and start. He is starting his eternal walk on earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said that knowing God is eternal life. There is nothing more successful than being in an eternal life with God. Amen. You can be promoted, you can be the most beautiful person, you can be achieving one thing or the other, but if you lose your soul and don't go into eternity, then you could be the poorest of places. The seventh point is, you can predict godly success. The worldly success is touch and go. You may get there or not. God told Joshua, if you may observe to do all that is written in it, then I will make your way, then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. You can predict success if you are willing to do what God has told you to do. I am not saying with the absence of problems, they had one thing after the other. They had the, they had the waters of Jordan, they had the Jericho, they had different kind of kings. So they have problems, but you will have success. Be of good courage. Amen. You can predict your success. I am not saying all prayers will be answered. No. But obedience can lead to you a God-given success. Say God-given success. Amen. So you can predict. So don't be surprised if you have godly success. Be ready to testify. Amen. So your ability to overcome fear is the point number eight. We all have fears. Okay. Be, believe it or not, we all have fears. The question is whether we are going to control our fear or whether the fear is going to get us. One of my desires is to go to skydiving. I have never gone. But I have, I have not yet gone. But I have heard the account of people going for skydiving. All of them have a mixture of excitement and fear. While they are getting into the plane. Some of them are so nervous. They are petrified. But they all said the moment they jump off the plane, the fear is gone. Amen. So, but I don't know when the next fear could come and if the parachute is opening or not. But that when you put in the next step, put in that step, that fear is gone. I remember I was bedridden for one year because I had an accident. And uh, I couldn't walk for almost 10 months. And I remember the physiotherapist, he was a well, well-built man. And I was saying that, I know that I have to walk, he's coming. So he told me that I'm going to come on the next day and you're going to walk. We're going to start, start trying to walk. And I was like, oh, I can't walk, I can't walk, I can't walk. Because to, even to sit, up, uh, uh, sit on the bed was itself was difficult. And I remember that he came from the back and he caught hold of me. He had strong arms. 
And he said, I said, no, 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 I can't, I can't do it. And he lifted me up. And the moment that I put my feet on the ground, I was like that baby child trying to walk. Put my, put my, put my feet on the ground. Okay, it was a little difficult, but it was okay. It was okay. My fear was gone. Action builds confidence. The next time, I didn't need him. I fired him. No, I'm just joking. Action builds confidence. Fear causes inaction. And inaction, in turn, causes more fear. So if I had not done what the physiotherapist pushed me to do, it would have taken a longer time. So fear builds confidence. David strengthened himself in the Lord. David strengthened. He had a moment. He was a mighty warrior. He had, he had strong men with him. Yet he had a moment where he was afraid. And you know, that is a time, hallelujah, we will strengthen ourselves in the Lord. I want to tell you, when your fears are, where is your secret place? Is your secret place? Have you gone to the secret place to build yourself up in the Lord? Amen. I am not saying that things will be rosy when you, if you finish praying. But it will give you a strength to overcome. Amen. So point number nine is knowing my purpose. God created every person with a purpose. Everyone has a vocation. Not vacation, vocation. Or a mission in life. What is it that God has put on the inside of you? Henry Ford said, The whole secret of a successful life is to find out one's destiny not just find out and to do it. Paul prayed a prayer for the Ephesian church. In Ephesians 1 verses 18, he said, The eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. I want to pray, hallelujah, that you would know the hope of your calling. It is not somebody else calling. It is hope of the Lord's calling in your life. What has God put on the inside of you? The thing is that you cannot take somebody else's calling and put it on the inside of you. It is already in you and unique calling which God has never given that to before. And unique calling in your life. And you stepping in, stepping to do that will make you a successful man. Amen. In this season, what has God called you to do? In this season, what has God called you to do? Hallelujah. Point number 10. Stop making excuses and put a step. Put a step. You don't need to wait for everything to move perfect and move forward. When I did that physiotherapy, it was not that everything was uh, easy. There were pain. Uh, there was, uh, you know, it was not easy. You don't wait for everything to uh, be perfect and move forward. I thought, why is this my physiotherapist so hard-hearted? I thank God that he was hard-hearted. Uh, you don't need to wait till all your fears are gone. Many people are waiting for somebody to tell them what to do next. Lazy people look for excuses. Proverbs 26 verse 13 says, The lazy man says, there is a lion on the road. A fierce lion is in the streets. How can a lion be in the road? A lion is supposed to be in the jungle. Stop making excuses. There can never be a lion in the street. There, you know, if there is a lion in the street, it's not going to be a fierce lion. It's going to be a circus lion. It's not going to bite you. We can't know everything. But putting a step for the Lord is a major step 
for our journey for success. Not any step, but a step of faith. Neil Armstrong once said like this, a small step for man is a giant leap for mankind. When you put a small step of faith, the Lord will put a giant leap for you. Amen? So stop making excuses. The growing to your God-given potential is point number 11. There is an old Irish proverb which says that you got to do your own growing no matter how tall your grandfather is. We need to keep growing. Rick Warren said the greatest enemy of tomorrow's success is today's success. Are you growing in your walk with God? Are you growing in your workplace? I'm not saying are you promoted in your workplace, but are you growing in your workplace? And your conscience will attest whether you're growing or not. If so, you are a success. Point number 12 is the lives that we touch. Matthew 25, verse 35 to 40. I'll read the first few verses. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison. You came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did you see you hungry and feed you or thirst you and give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and said to them, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did to one of these least of these brethren you did to me. The lives that we touch is a success into the hands of the Lord. Many people may not see it, may not acknowledge it. But the Lord is seeing. He's saying, you know, He's saying, when, uh, when I was hungry, you gave me food. So when we are doing that for some life, we are doing it to the Lord. Amen. God does not want us to be a Sunday Christian, but to receive the word that we hear. Go out and touch lives. Go out and touch life. Jesus said, you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the world. You, you may not be able to go to the ends of the world, but you would definitely have a Jerusalem. You definitely would have somebody sick in your neighborhood, and your family. You can take up the call and pray for them. But you are thinking about, what if I fail? Well, healing is never in your hands. Huh? What if the person is healed? What if the person is healed? We are just a vessel. You know, a, uh, a pipe is something that, uh, that helps the water to flow. We are just like that. We don't own the water. The water of healing comes from the Lord. But there is a pipe that we can be that pipe. We can be the gloves in the hands of the Lord. Amen. So you can reach out to somebody. You can give your old clothes to somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. You, if you know how to cook, you can reach out to somebody whose house is sick. Thank you, Father. When we touch lives, I want to tell you, we do it to the Lord. The Bible says that even a glass of cold water will surely not miss its reward. I want to thank all the ushers here. When somebody is you know, in need of water, they go and fetch the water. Surely it will not 
miss its reward because we are not doing it, we are doing it to the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. Last week we saw about 20 teams. Hallelujah. He came and come, who comes and serves selflessly. We are touching lives. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. For everybody who serves in whatever capacity that we have, God calls us that as a success. Okay? We don't need to do, uh, you know, uh, the thing is that we have different, we think that, oh, that is just a little. I want to tell you, for God, even little matters. Can you say, for God, even little matters? Amen? Thank you. Hallelujah. Point 13 is to learn to rise up from your failure. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 15 to 25. Now the background of this is, David committed adultery. The Lord, the Lord struck the child that he had with Uriah's wife. And he became ill. And they are pleading for the child. They are fasting. They are praying. God do something. And in verse 19 onwards, when David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, Is the child dead? They said, Yes, he is dead. So David arose from the ground. I want you to listen to this. Washed, anointed himself, changed his clothes, went to the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him and he ate. Then, he, then his servant said to him, What is this that you have done? You fasted and wept to the child while he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Uh, can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Then David comforted Bathsheba's wife and then I lay with her. So she bore a son and he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him and he sent word by the hand of Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jedidah because of the Lord. You know, but David went through a fall. The Bible says that he rose up, anointed, washed, anointed himself, went to the house of the Lord from the from house of the Lord and worshipped the Lord. When you have a fall, please don't stay in your fall. Arise, worship the Lord. You know what is a beautiful thing that happened? Because David arose, there came a Solomon. If you stay in your fall, you will miss your Solomon. You will miss the next move of God. We all, we might fall down, but you need to pick yourself up. Point number 14. Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is. For brethren to dwell together in unity. Community life is very in, essential ingredient for success. The Bible says a man who isolates himself destroys himself. If you think that you can be in your home, you don't need anybody. It is a recipe for disaster. Community life can't be forced. Amen. Galatians 6 verse 2 talks about bearing one another's burden. You know, when we are in a community, we can bear one another's burden. But if you are isolated, nobody will know your burden. Open up. 
share your prayer points to somebody ask somebody to pray for you come together to church on sunday so that we could together celebrate god that's a community celebrating god i know it is good for us in a house to worship god is that enough no it is not enough it is so important for us to come together because god has not called us independently he's called us together he's building a family amen it is it is not you know we were those uh, uh, when I had my first child, I understood having one child is not enough. It's so much good to have another child. And God had only begotten son, but God decided that I'm going to give my only son so that I can have a family. God wants us to have a community. That is why it is so essential to come together in your carousel, in your church. It is not to increase attendance just to come together so that you know there is somebody intimate that you can reach out in your castle to ask to pray for you I'm going through a difficult time sister can you pray for me can you intercede for me amen come together that we have corporate intercession why do we have corporate intercession because there is so much power when a community comes together in God and praise there was so much power in Acts chapter 2 when there was you know, the whole people, the disciples gathered, 3,000 of them. So important. A man who isolates himself, destroys himself. Father, I want to pray, Daddy. Lord, that we will go after God-given success. We will go after God and we will go after our brethren. We will go after lives. We will go after our families. We will not sit idle, Lord. The night is passing. The day is coming near. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We pray that we will live in the will of God. We will have the heart of God. Father, we pray that we would have, we would walk in your ways, Lord. We will meditate on this word, Lord. This book, this word shall not leave our mouth. Let it not leave our mouth even while we are sleeping, Lord. I want to pray that we will catch hold of these words. Let it be in the depths of our heart. Let us let these words minister to us. When we are tempted with the word of God, we hold to all on the word of God. Hallelujah. Lord, help us to arise from failures. Hallelujah. Some of you, that you have a wrong image. You think that you have failed. Hallelujah. I want to pray, hallelujah, God would bring the right image to you. Hallelujah. If you have failed, you need to arise. Amen. God doesn't call you as a failure. Amen. Hallelujah. God calls us as sons and daughters. Amen. Father, we want to respond to your love, Lord. We want to walk in your love. That we may find the good success that you told Joshua. And God, I want to pray as a church, we would find the good success. Not the worldly success, Lord. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your love, Lord. 
In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wicc.in.